0: Hello and welcome back to the Polaris Travel Health Podcast.
1: Thanks for tuning in with us again this week. Today, Jaden and I will be discussing culture shock.
0: Yeah, we thought this might be kind of an interesting topic to cover, especially if you or someone you know are kind of considering a move abroad. But what exactly is culture shock?
1: Yeah, it's, it, I do like this topic. It's kind of kind of interesting, not quite so you know, vaccine based or anything like that, but certainly a a relevant thing when it comes to travel health. Culture shock is usually, I think the best way to sort of describe it would be just stresses and associated with a a movement abroad, you know, where there is kind of an adjustment and, and a reaction to the adjustment. And, you know, it can Sort of manifests itself in a few different ways. A lot of times, you know, it's sort of like grief of the time that you left things behind, just new stresses, and and you know, you're basically been put into a situation where you're probably not as adept and as comfortable, and whether it's language or culture or whatever combination thereof, it's just you're not, you know, sort of the master of your environment. So. So you just have uh, have those considerations. So basically what you'd be looking at for kinds of things to be uh, having and experiencing would be you know mood changes and sleep changes and appetite, weight, energy levels and concentrating just sort of depression type things. Very rarely would it does it tend to get to the point where you're gonna require medical attention but certainly if you already have issues, mental health issues, you already have sleeping issues, uh, it can make them worse, like potentially. That's what we, there's a concern. So maybe if you already have some some of these issues already, some of these um, diagnoses, they can um, can potentially enhance things. As far as you know, other things like you start talking about, you know, kids, for example, they can get kind of clingy. They can even potentially revert to to bedwetting. You know, that, you know, I've. I have not really dealt with too many of those cases myself, but I think it's certainly something to consider. And, you know, school can be really a challenge uh, for them.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I think it's also always interesting to look into things to do with travel health that aren't necessarily infectious. And this is kind of one of those things where it can really kind of affect you even physically, but it's not something that you can catch. But what does the timeline kind of look like on Culture Shock? Or is there kind of one that you can predict?
1: I don't really think there's a really super definable timeframe. But I think that in a way, one way you can look at it is, you know, this whole like the seven stages of it was the seven stages of grieving, you know, where you've got all of the different things, you know, yes. um, yeah there's kind of a, a set of um stages that i think a lot of times people can experience when it comes to to culture shock so you know i'll kind of run through those but i think everybody sort of will process them at different times kind of the same as what you're talking talking about you know with that so most often the first step is sort of a honeymoon phase where everything's great. Everything's wonderful, shiny and new. The experiences are really cool. You're just, you know, everything about it is sort of that newness and it feels good. You just, you're really enjoying it. Then usually that will last for a while, but, but then probably the next sort of step is after sort of a honeymoon period is over, then you kind of get to sort of, you know, the irritability and kind of the annoying stage where you've gone kind of, the opposite direction entirely in the sense that you you've really enjoyed the differences and what you know your life is different in those in that honeymoon phase but now all of a sudden it's kind of the opposite you're very irritated about a lot of times even minor things you know just small things in your day-to-day life that are more difficult or not available and it really starts to bug you you know maybe it's something really you know i i would say most people would would talk about like trivial silly things when you really think about in the grand scheme of things but you know not being able to you know access a favorite type of food or or something like that you know that could potentially be that or maybe, you know, just something, something not necessarily even super vital, but just enough that, you know, it's sort of out of proportion irritates you. Eventually, you'll get to a point where you will sort of adjust and, and, you know, start to make adjustments and start to be more, you know, sort of accepting of where you're at. And then once you are sort of hit that period of adjustment, then you kind of get to that point of acceptance for sort of being at peace with (laughs) sort of where you're at, I guess would be the best way to describe it. And so those are really the four phases that I would look at. And then the other thing I would mention too, is something like, what about coming back? Like, you know, return, go back to wherever you're from originally. Are you going to have a problem there? And that's a sort of a different set of problems.
0: Right. So As kind of a travel health expert, what is your role in discussing culture shock with someone who is coming into the clinic and is moving abroad? Is this something that you kind of commonly find yourself talking about and what kind of things do you guys normally discuss?
1: Well, we typically don't talk about it unless someone is moving abroad, spending, you know, like an extended period of time where you're really uprooting your life. Sometimes, you know, we'll see patients that are going to do work. And maybe they're like, you know, we've had people that are going to do oil and gas or mining or, or something like that. And they're doing shifts where they're there for a few weeks, and then they come back back to Canada for a period of time back and forth. I'm talking more about people that really just uproot everything and move to that country. So we don't talk about it really often just because you don't see tons and tons of those patients, but you will sometimes. And and when when I talk about it, I think it's a lot more of an acknowledgement of it and just making sure people are aware of it and making sure people are know that it is not unusual. It is a pretty standard thing. The severity and length can be different. And also, I think one of the things you want to do in your assessment is also try to get a bit of a feel for, is this person maybe more prone to being susceptible to, trial, uh, you know, culture shock? Uh, like, for example, if they already have some issues with depression and anxiety, uh, as we talked earlier, this could exacerbate them. And, and maybe at that point, you know, if they are seeing you know some kind of counseling, maybe it's something that could be brought up and, and you know, make a point to discuss it with whoever they're seeing. I think, you know, those are the things I'm not going to be in a position where I'm going to be, you know, I'll provide sort of little tips and tricks and stuff like that to sort of help you adjust. But, uh, you know, we're not going to do a real pharmacological plan or anything like that per se, even when it comes to things like sleeping, if you're sleeping is off for a first, the first little bit, like I, I'm not going to typically prescribe like a, here's some sleeping pills for the first couple months you're there, because, you know, I think if you're having that much trouble, that would be something that needs to be addressed at that time.
0: Right. Right. So with that, are there any ways that you can kind of prepare yourself and kind of like judge whether you'll be able to withstand the culture shock, so to speak?
1: Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's any real things like, you know, talking to somebody, you know, a couple months potentially before you go is, is helpful, but I think it, it, there's no real, like definitive way that you can sort of say this person is going to be way more susceptible than others. I, I think so. I don't think I'm doing a very good job of answering this one, Jaden, but I think the short answer is, you know, I I don't think there's a real obvious answer.
0: Right, right. Well, it's there sometimes are things that, you know, you can't really prepare yourself for. And I suppose it's, this might be one of those things, and it's good to know. So
1: yeah, yeah. I, I think just Having that level of awareness and also just—it's one of these things you need to know that this is pretty standard. Now, like again, how how severe and, and how long it really you go through some of these steps is is variable. But feeling this way, I think, is certainly people need to know this isn't an unusual thing. It's pretty standard and I I think that there are some you know tools and some mechanisms lots of times if you're traveling if you're doing this for work the workplace that you're when you're arriving they might be able to help you out with connecting you in with other employees and their families and and helping you get settled and even providing you access to the kinds of services you need but even just that this is kind of a a funny example I guess but I I would still um, throw it out there you know when you even talk about culture shock, like we're talking lots of times about, you know, going to a really drastically different place. But, you know, I, I think, you know, there are examples of where there's culture shock, you know, even moving to Canada from the United States. You know, I, I remember reading some stuff before we started recording. We were having a little chat about basketball, actually. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I, I was reading a little while back about the the Toronto Raptors in the NBA and about how they actually have people that are expressly devoted to helping the players and their families get comfortable with Toronto and be, getting comfortable with the, a new city. But and more to the point, a new country that they they help set them up. And and this is like there's a person that's that's their job, like that's what they do. So now I realize you know my first reaction is boo-hoo you know they can uh, they, they can um, millions of dollars uh, um, probably helped out a lot to the further with that transition process but but I still think that you know that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's not a thing right especially for you know spouses and kids where you know I would say an example if you're the spouse of a player who's on the road a lot and you don't see a lot of them but you're you're still like in you know Toronto strange city in a strange country, you know, that could be a thing. I remember, you'll appreciate this, uh, Jaden, another sports reference, uh, since you're in Montreal. I I remember back when the Expos were, were playing baseball, that there was a player, and I I don't remember who it was, it doesn't really matter, but anyway, somehow their wife was interviewed, and maybe it was from the local newspaper back from wherever wherever they were from in the States, but in the interview, one of the key take-home points she had is, at the time, you could not buy Doritos in Montreal, and (laughs) she was very angry about this and said that one of the things she had to do in Montreal was she had to drive to Vermont on a regular basis to buy Doritos and how <laughs> inconvenient it was. And, you know, um, this was a real hardship for her, but she was trying to figure out a way to make it work. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It sounds a little superfluous to me, but, you know, I, I think this person probably really felt this way. Like I don't think you can invalidate how they were feeling, but but yes, the whatever it was, the monthly Doritos run.
0: Well, I have to say, I kind of relate. Like, I am a big fan of Doritos myself. But even living in Montreal versus having lived in Alberta before, there is some level of culture shock having moved here. There's a bit of a different attitude here. There's a bit of a different kind of tone, so to speak, of of living in Quebec versus living in an Anglophone area of, of Canada. And it takes a little bit of getting used to. So I have to say... You know, it's it's definitely definitely something to keep in mind, even if you're not even moving outside of the country. So what would you recommend for someone out there who might be listening to this podcast even right now, who is currently experiencing culture shock, who is perhaps missing the comforts of home?
1: I think the best thing that you can do is, you know, now with technology being what it is today, it's never been easier to connect with people across long distances I think I would really try to reach out to some people, make, uh, you know, connect with people that you haven't seen. You know, I realize that you're, you know, sort of reaching back home, so to speak, but I still think that that has value. And and I think also just reaching out locally and especially trying to see if, if you're there for work or for school, if there's some kind of support systems in place. And I'm not necessarily even talking about like really significant, like, you know, I'm, I'm booking appointments with mental health professionals or anything, but just finding ways to to connect in with people, you know, outside of work or outside of school or something like that. I think those are probably some of the best things to do and and um you know, good starting points especially if it is sort of, you know, more on the you know, mild to moderate side. I guess if you already have pre-existing mental health conditions then, you know, that that might raise the urgency level a little bit. But
0: Well, I would definitely agree about the um making connections. I mean, there's always going to be hopefully, I mean, some sort of emigre community that you can connect with. And I think that would definitely be something that would be really helpful. Is there anything else you want to mention, chat about, any other sort of anecdotal yeah, offerings? Yeah, I
1: I, one thing that we didn't really talk about in the prep, but I did want to talk about, I, I alluded to it earlier, was the return home. Right. Um, there is such thing as reverse culture shock, where after living someplace for a while, you can, when you come home, It's a weird shock to your system. Yeah, it's definitely a real thing. And uh, this is sort of an anecdote about actually somebody that I know, not a patient of mine, actually somebody I know personally who um, spent a year traveling. And what ended up happening was they ended up settling actually in Vietnam for, I don't know, six, eight months, something like that. And they basically rented out a place and lived in Vietnam for all that period of time. And, Anyway, when they came home back to Canada, I know that her experience coming back was very jarring. Like I remember having a conversation with her and she said that, you know, she went into the grocery store, you know, here in in Calgary and she was just kind of overwhelmed by it all. (laughs) And, um, you know, I I think that the adjustment back was relatively quick, but I think that, you know, she made a point of, of telling me about how, there was an adjustment period. And there was a period of time where, like, yeah, stuff was seemed very weird. But I remember the grocery store story, she went to Safeway or whatever, and she just like kind of freaked out almost. And just because, you know, that's so not what you were experiencing, you know, in the last how many ever six, eight months.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I bet you it's a big, big difference. But to be fair sometimes i also get a little bit overwhelmed at the grocery store too
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah fair fair enough but uh, yeah anyway it's an interesting topic and and it's something that you know we don't have a real you know there's no real obvious conclusion or or answer but i think like you know i think the main reason i want to talk about this is one it's interesting two it's common and you know three i think you just need to you know shed a little bit of light on it and just make sure people have a level of awareness and, and kind of know what to do i think whenever we're doing travel health appointments a lot of times you know we can't always necessarily see the pitfalls that people are going to encounter when they're traveling but a lot of times you want to at least discuss some of these things and make sure people can recognize and come up with a plan on how to deal with certain things you know it's like the whole thing with you know getting traveler's diarrhea, for example, it's like, it can be unpleasant and anxiety inducing and that sort of thing. But if you kind of know what what to do, and you have a plan, then I think that that certainly provides some peace of mind. And I'd say this is the same kind of thing minus the antibiotics.
0: Yes, thankfully, minus the antibiotics. (laughs) All right, well, anything else you want to mention?
1: No, I think that pretty much covers it. I think, uh, I, I think we've kind of uh, done a decent job of going over it. I think, you know, it could be an area you could delve into a lot more, but uh, I think this is a this is a pretty decent uh, brief overview.
0: Definitely, I would agree. I think it's something that perhaps maybe you don't think as much about until it starts to happen. So I think maybe that is it's a good thing to to have a discussion about. But yeah. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Polaris Travel Health podcast. A reminder that the information and advice that we provided in this podcast are not a substitute for live medical advice tailored to your itinerary and your medical history. If you have questions or you want to book an appointment, please head over to our website, www.polaristravelclinic.ca. Check us out on Twitter, at Polaris Travel RX, and our Facebook page as well. We hope you'll tune in again with us next week. Thanks, Jaden. Thank you.